Just go ahead and stand as we open up tonight. Everybody okay? I apologize in advance if I start yawning. I am, this time change, I feel like I need to be in bed. This, this, this whole week, of course, it's been a pretty, pretty hectic week, but I mean, still, I mean, the sun goes down and I'm like, what time is it? And it's 515. <laughs> uh, thank you for being with us online tonight. We're glad that you've joined us. Uh, let's open up in prayer. How many have a need tonight? You'll just signify by lifting your hand. Uh, let's uh, also uh, continue praying for revival. Um, you know, as we move into the holiday season, you know, there's a there's a lot of uh, emphasis on uh, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Uh, it all comes from Jesus. And let's just pray that, that through the next uh, six weeks that, that uh, his name will, listen, he'll be sung about. Uh, I know Santa Claus and Rudolph and all those will have their place. But, you know, you'll hear Jesus. They'll be playing his songs. And my prayer always through the Christmas season is, Lord, just make yourself known. And, uh, and, and so, Father, we just thank you tonight. Uh, Lord, thank you for your blessings. Thank you. Is, uh, again, this is a season of thanksgiving. And, Lord, even though we relegate it to one time a year, Lord, we're thankful that, uh, Lord, we, we have blessings uh, every day. Lord, we wake up with new mercies. We thank you for grace that's sufficient, uh, that you're long-suffering. Lord, we just, again, are grateful uh, for all that you do, you are a good, good father. That's who you are, and we are loved by you, and it's who we are. And as we open up tonight, Lord, we do, again, with a heart of gratitude, and I thank you for answered prayer. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the promise that as we call out to you, uh, that you hear us and that you respond. I pray for those that need a healing touch tonight. God, I thank you that healing is found in you. It's part of the covenant, Lord, and thank you for the availability that we have the access that we can bring our petitions and supplications and make them known to you. And so, Father, where there are physical needs tonight, uh, Lord, I pray that you'll touch those online tonight that may not be feeling very well. Uh, Father, I ask that you would touch them and bring healing to them. Uh, Lord, we pray for those that are discouraged tonight. Lord, I pray that you would uphold them with your powerful right hand and that you would encourage them. Uh, Lord, for those that may be going through difficult times tonight, Lord, I pray that you would come uh, Lord, one of your covenant names is you are the Prince of Peace. And Lord, I pray you'll come as the Prince of Peace into our, into our chaos and into our mess and that you would speak peace. Lord, give us that inner tranquility that lets us know that everything's going to be all right. Father, for those that are having difficulty financially and relationally, Lord, I thank you that we can approach you with that as well because if it concerns us, it concerns you. And we lift these things up to you. I pray for all the ministries on campus tonight. Lord, that you would be exalted and lifted high in each one. And, Father, I pray that, uh, uh, Lord, we pray for a revival. Lord, we want it to start with us. Thank you for what you do and have done here at Bethel and what you're going to do as we continue to walk in that covenant relationship with you. Lord, just birth in us a, a desire for you to just be known and shown through all that we do. And, Father, I ask you to bless our time tonight, bless our study, open our hearts, let us hear what the Spirit says. We commit it to you now in Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you very much. Uh, go ahead and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. Uh, we are going to do a um, Thanksgiving um, just in way of announcements. Uh, don't forget the snow slide that we're going to be doing on December the 1st. Everybody say December 1st. Just make sure we know the date. Um, so so we are sponsoring the snow slide um, at the Cleburne uh, 
whistle-stop Christmas parade. So what that means is we're going to need some help. Uh, there is a sign-up sheet at the Hub. So if you have time that night, we're going to be running the slide from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. So we'll set up about 5, and then we'll start sliding, having uh, people slide uh, about 6, and we'll go to 9, and we'll have shifts. So anyway, um, if you, uh, again, if you have people that can help, <laughs> we'd love for you to come out and help and be a part of that. Uh, don't forget tomorrow is the uh, seniors' lunch. Isn't that tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. So uh, it's the Thanksgiving uh, th- seniors' lunch, so come on out tomorrow for that as well. And, uh, and then also, I- I'm just going to seed this with you. I've talked, we've talked about it before, but on December the 3rd, um, we have uh, Kurt Cloninger will be. We have one service that day, and he's going to be here doing a, a special Christmas presentation. He's a professional actor. Uh, we've had him before. He did the Apostle Paul. Just an incredible uh, first-person uh, communication of uh, of the Word of God. And so, what he's going to do is he got portraits of Christmas or celebrate Christmas, and he'll have his presentation. We'll have Christmas carols again. We want to celebrate the reason for the season. And this is a great event to bring someone to. You know, people are a little bit afraid of preaching. Uh, he'll preach in a different manner just through acting. And uh, if I'm just telling you, I've watched some of the video clips, and you don't want to miss it. The guy's incredible. He's a gifted uh, actor. Uh, he's been off the road for some time. He was with us. Uh, Tommy, you remember? It's several years ago that he was with us. Uh, he uh, has been off the road and uh, his, his wife passed away uh, uh, two years ago, I believe is what he told me. And so this will be his first time back on the road, so to speak. And so we're really looking forward to, uh, to him coming back. I, I told him, I said, you know, it kind of reminds me, well, not the same situation, but some of you remember we hosted Michael English, um, the great singer, uh, after he was off for a season of restoration and and renewal, and he hit one, one of his first concerts, I think he, the first concert that he did back on the road was here, uh, and, and it was just a wonderful thing, so anyway, let me hush. Let's get right into it tonight. Thanksgiving, um, you, can, you, can't, you can't let this see, oh, don't forget next week there's no midweek service uh, due to the, the Christmas. Thanksgiving. Listen, some places have had Christmas stuff up since the 1st of September. And uh, I had my lights put up probably the second week of October, not because I was eager for lights. They hadn't been turned on, by the way. I just had them put up because the guy that helps me get my lights up, he said, I'll give you a discount if I can come put them up. And I'm like, I'm cheap. Come on, give me a... So they've been up for, for a while, but I promised the girls they would be turned on this week. And so they will. But uh, uh, Proverbs 15, verses 16 and 17, um, he, he writes, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Here it is again. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Better is, the, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. May the Lord add his blessing to his word tonight. Uh, again, with it being Thanksgiving next week, I thought it would be appropriate that we just spend a little bit of, of time, and I'll preach on Sunday, 
uh, a Thanksgiving message, but talk about the attitude of thankfulness. You know, we live in a, we live in a culture today that you don't see very much gratitude. It's almost as though people feel like you owe them something. And, you know, from the youngest, I can remember as a kid growing up, you know, my parents always made me say please and thank you and all of those things. And, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not knocking on modern parenting or anything like that, but it was just something that was ingrained in us. Uh, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, I still hold the door open for people. Um, or open the door for people. Again, there are just some things. I think thankfulness is something that's truly, truly, or gratitude is truly missing in our culture today. And, it, you know, it's interesting to hear uh, the various ways. Does anybody here have an unusual way that you celebrate Thanksgiving? Anybody with something weird? I mean, unusual? <laughs> Maybe weird is not the best word. Because, <laughs> you know what, if you celebrate, it's not weird. I, I, I mean, people do celebrate uh, Thanksgiving in, in various ways. I mean, some people look at it as time spent with family, eating, playing games, um, just just enjoying uh, visiting with loved ones. You know, for other people, it's a time of sports. You know, they look forward to Thanksgiving Day because you have back-to-back-to-back football games on TV, and they enjoy just sitting around watching sports, and, and, and that's become part of their tradition. Still other times, uh, or excuse me, still other people use Thanksgiving Day as a strategic planning meeting. And they pull out all of the, the flyers and the inserts and, the, and the, uh, the advertising, the advertisements that are in the paper. They go online. And what are they doing? They're mapping out their Black Friday shopping excursions. I'd rather have my teeth pulled out than to think about going to Black Friday shopping. Uh, but again, I mean, we should, you know, some people, that's their thing. I remember when, when Rebecca was little, was growing up, little girl, and Sheila, they would, they'd leave the house. I mean, what time? They'd leave the house sometimes at two, two, three o'clock in the morning. And you're going to go? <laughs> Not me. I will, I will celebrate with my eyes closed. But for some people, that's their thing. They enjoy doing that. So there's a lot of different ways to celebrate Thanksgiving. You know, some people want traditional Thanksgiving meal with all the trimmings. Uh, others want anything but turkey and dressing in the sides. I like one guy, he put it like this. He said, Thanksgiving is all about getting your entire dysfunctional family under one roof and hoping the police don't get called. <laughs> and, for some, and for some, that's probably more accurate than not. You, you've probably heard this a time or two, but Adrian Rogers used to say, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And, you know, and again, <laughs> that's, that's our culture. But you know what, even though the, I mean, think about it. Even though the idea of Thanksgiving is noble, not every family gathering is a happy time. Now, Sheila and I, uh, this year, we, my, my kids are scattered and, and have different things going on this year. So Sheila and I, on Monday, we're going to head to Alabama to my family, I haven't. I left home in 1985 uh, when I joined the military, and I don't. I probably can count on one hand, but I don't remember more than once or twice, maybe since 1985, that I've had Thanksgiving with my family, uh, siblings. I have a brother and three sisters, and all their children and grandchildren. There's about 45 to 50 of us when we get together, and. Uh, so we're going to leave Monday and have Thanksgiving with my family in Mobile, and 
and we'll come back on Friday. And, and I'm kind of looking forward to that, you know, and I'm praying that no police will be called to our gathering, <laughs> that we actually uh, have, a, have, a, have a good time. Uh, you know, Proverbs 15, actually in our text tonight, I'll back up one verse because I love the way it says, all the day, here's what verse 15 says, all the days of the oppressed are, ret- uh, ret- well, our text tonight, all the days of the oppressed are what? Are wretched. But a cheerful heart is a continual feast. See, that's what I want to park tonight. I love that phrase, the, the cheerful heart, it has a continual feast. What does that mean? Well, it means if I have a thankful heart, Thanksgiving is not just a single date on the calendar. It's an event every day of the year. You know, I, I, I don't remember who it was that said that we have it all backwards. We, we should take one day out of the year and use that one day to gripe and complain about everything. And then, and then for the rest, the rest of the 364 days, we should thanks, have thanksgiving. And I think that's probably accurate. If you have a cheerful heart, uh, one that's beaming with thanksgiving, then you, it's not just a single day. It's an everyday occurrence. And again, in our text, Solomon basically gives us two qualities that produce a cheerful heart that enables us to enjoy a continual feast. Now, these attitudes of the heart are within reach of every one of us because they, here's the thing about this, they don't, it doesn't depend on your income, it doesn't depend on your position, your reputation, your, your education, the size of your bank account, or any other worldly achievement. An attitude of gratitude, again, has absolutely nothing to do with, you know, and we get into the Christmas season, and, and, and I understand people want presents and, and things to pass on to their children, and I think that's something that's wonderful that we get to, uh, celebrate the birth of Jesus by exchanging gifts with other people. But it's not about that. You know, that, that's not the heart of Thanksgiving. And, and having a grateful heart is not predicated on having a bunch of gifts. You know, I made the determination several years ago, I'd rather have moments than monuments. I'd rather have experiences than stuff. Because those, you know, some of you may have seen my post on social media about Sheila and I when we were at our minister's retreat last week. You know, I try to take her as much as I possibly can because I know there's coming a time in the not-too-distant future where she can't go, where she won't physically be able to go. And I document it. I take pictures. You know, we, we share those moments because, for those times. Listen, those things will last much, much longer than a trinket or, a you know, whatever. And And so... Let me give you these two attitudes that, um, that the writer of Proverbs tells us about. First one is a heart full of faith, a heart full of faith. If I'm going to have these two qualities that are going to enable me to produce, uh, help me to produce a cheerful heart, which leads to a continual feast, then I have to start with a heart full of faith. Verse 16 says, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. That's one rendering right there. I love that, that, that version. Again, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. I think the key word there in that verse is better. How many like better things? You know, better. I mean, and, and so he, here's what he's telling us. Here's what's better. You know, it's like Martha and Mary and Martha are meeting Jesus and and the Bible says Martha's up serving and doing many things. And Jesus said, wait, and she comes in and complains to Jesus. Well, why is she sitting there? Why do I have to do all the work myself? 
I promise you there will be a conversation during Thanksgiving that somebody will probably be saying the same thing. Why am I doing all the work? Why are they sitting there watching that football game? Why don't they get up and help me? There's going to be that conversation. Am I telling the truth? There's going to be that conversation. Jesus, Mary is not doing, pardon my grammar, nothing. <laughs> what did he say to her? Martha, you're overwhelmed, Martha, by many things. Mary chose that which is better. Best. What does it mean? It just means some things are better than other things. Just some things are better. Solomon, again, who is the richest and wisest man in all the world, he, he, he doesn't mean, let me just tell you what he's not meaning. He doesn't mean to exalt poverty as, as something to be preferred over wealth. I mean, most of us would know that's not true, right? You know, most poor people would, would, would be like, uh, would like to be wealthy if they're given a chance. Uh, you know, that's not what he's doing. This is not a proverb that's praising living on the edge of financial disaster, I mean, from the very beginning of time, I really believe this. There have always been, well, not only do I believe it, it's, it's factual. From the very beginning of the time, there always have been more, rich, more poor people than rich people. Always have been more. The, the have-nots have far outnumbered the haves. That's just, that's just human history. That's the way it is. It, it, it's like that today. You know, we hear things talked about, and I'm not waxing political, but you hear people talk about the one percenters, the one percenters, uh, you know, that accumulate, you know, 68, 78% of all wealth is held by 1% of the population. There's always, always people that have more. You know, it's not, it's not if the, as if the world's resources are evenly distributed. We know they're not. This is less a statement about that type of thing, uh, and the way things maybe ought to be. It's, it's just a statement about what it is, okay? No doubt this is what Jesus meant when he said, the poor you will always have with you. It's just a fact of life. There will always be, in a, in a corrupted human system, there will always be people that have more. There will always be people that will get away with things. Uh, there will, but, but see, that's why the Bible says we need to keep looking ahead because he balances the ca- accounts. So, so again... Uh, his point was he wasn't being callous, okay? Jesus wasn't being pallet, uh, callous when he said, the poor you always have with you. The point is, and, and Jesus goes on to explain that, but you don't always have me. That, that was the point. There, there are some things in life that are better than other things. And if you juxtapose the, what he's saying there is that, that you're going to have poor and you're going to have rich, but if you want something really better, it's me. It, that's the better. Again, some things are more important than other things. If Jesus is among us, spend time with him while we can. You know, feed your spirit, then feed the hungry. Uh, again, wealth is not this panacea or silver bullet that many people think it is. It, it's, it's true that money uh, is a hedge, but that it is a hedge that brings false security. Because in the end, it doesn't last. In the end, it does not last. I, I mean, it is, better, it is better to have some money in the bank than none, none at all. Okay, I admit that. The rich have large houses. They have nice furnishing. They have excellent medical insurance, protection from any trouble. But here's the reality. Death comes to the rich just like it does the poor. Again, this is just a dose of reality. Uh, death comes. When it comes, it doesn't discriminate 
uh, you know, I always say it, you know, look at the obituary. And in the obituary, there are names of people, for, I always say, for, who, for whom their time came. And it doesn't discriminate. They're either young, they're old, they're rich, they're poor, they're educated, uneducated, live on the right side of the tracks, live on the wrong side of the tracks. It doesn't really matter because when it comes, it comes. And, and that's his whole point there. The rich get cancer, they die, they get divorces, they have problems with their children, their stuff breaks down. I mean, wealth provides only a limited protection in this world. It can't compensate. Wealth can't compensate for the breakup of a marriage. Wealth can't compensate for a child that ends up in jail or sudden death. It, it can't compensate for that. I read about uh, an article about a man, a wealthy man, a very wealthy man, uh, whose son died in a plane crash. And after the fact, he was given an interview, and, 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 the, and the interviewer, here's what he said. He, he said to the interviewer, he said, once you lose your son, you find out that there is no such thing as serious money. Life and death are serious. Money is not. How wise is that? What wisdom there? Money's not serious. That's why the Bible says that it's the love of money. It's that, it's that relentless pursuit, always trying to get the next buck. It's evil. That's what the Bible says. It's the love of money that drives humanity to do stupid things, hurt people, wrong people. It's the love of money. There are some things better than money. You know, if we, if, if we have to choose between wealth and the fear of the Lord, let us choose the latter. It is better to have a little with the fear of the Lord than great amounts of wealth and live in turmoil and not know. Again, the vast majority of the world will never be wealthy. But you know what? We can all fear the Lord. We can all fear the Lord. There's another way to look at it. Wealth, by definition, really is a relative term. I, I mean, think about it. What you consider wealthy, may, I may not consider wealthy. What we consider wealthy, Cubans may not consider. They have a different perspective. You know, it, it's, a, it's a matter of perspective. We live in, pardon me, we live in nice homes. We drive nice cars. We eat at nice restaurants. We travel to nice places. Many places know nothing of this type of lifestyle. If you've ever been out of the state, if you've ever gone to a nice national park or, or, or some resort somewhere, you are blessed. There are people that will live and die within, their, within the boundaries of their village in other parts of the world and never know anything different. It, again, it's a matter of perspective. Many places know nothing of the lifestyle. Even, even the poorest among us have. Even those on the bottom of the economic scale, uh, scale here in Western culture are some of the highest earners in other places in the world. It's a matter of perspective. Abject poverty exists in many parts of the world, and compared to them, I'll just be honest, I'm a wealthy person. Most of us are wealthy people. You know, it's good to live with a roof over our head and money in the bank and food on our table, but it is far better to live with the fear of the Lord in our heart. Now, let me just say this, and this is not about resources because I'm talking about Thanksgiving, that there are some things. It's, have a house full of, a heart full of faith. Here, let me just say this disclaimer. One should not feel sorry for having more than someone else. I, I don't believe that at all. I don't, I don't believe that at all. But I'm a fool if I somehow think 
that what I have makes me better than somebody else. See, that's the difference. I don't think it's wrong to have things. It's wrong for things to have us. If we understand the blessing and how God, I always look at it as God made me to be a conduit, not a reservoir. A reservoir is one who receives and and receives and receives and never gives out, but a conduit is one that it flows in and out of. It just flows. That's who God made us to be. And again, it's foolish for us to think that we have, I've heard people down through the years say, well, I am where I am because of the sweat of my brow. No acknowledgement of God, no acknowledgement of what God gifted them to do and enabled them to do. I mean, really, what do, I, what do we have that we've not received, right? I mean, it's all a gift from God. That includes every, and again, we can get down to the minutia with this, but every meal, every drink of clean water, every bit of electricity that powers our computers and our TVs and every book that I've read and every shirt I wear, every, every meal that's placed before me, all of these things are blessings. Every good and perfect gift comes from where? From above, Solomon does not ask those who have more to feel guilty about what they have. After all, even in, the, even in the slums of the world, there are people in those slums that have more than other people in the slums. That's, again, that's the reality. But not everything is equal. The proverb said, better to live in poverty and know the Lord than to be the richest man in the world and think you did it yourself. I read a quote, and I've shared this before. Bill Gates one time said, when asked about his faith, he said, I don't have time for religion. I don't have time. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, just a modern example. If you're, if you follow football, I don't mean anything by this, but, but the pursuit, we, just a college down south just fired their head football coach and guaranteed him $26,000 a day for the next eight years not to work. It's a matter of priorities. They're all jacked up. When you pursue money, that's, that's what you get. Not everything's equal. It is better to live in poverty and to know the Lord than to be the richest man in the world and be empty in your heart. The rich... The rich man eventually discovers that his riches takes wings and it flies away. You know, many start out pursuing wealth and they put everything into pursuing wealth. And when they finally attain what they feel is wealth, then they put all their energies in keeping their wealth. It's here and then it's gone. And in the grand scheme of things, it really does not matter. I've, I've always said I believe that, that money it's amoral. It's, it's what I do with it. And money is a tool for, for the kingdom of God. That's the way I look at money. It is a tool to build and expand the kingdom of God. J.I. Packer tells of an acquaintance who, whose career was derailed because he had some strong religious beliefs and he was asked, if he harbored any ill feelings, and here's what he said. He said, I've known God, and, I, and I've known God, and they haven't. <laughs> so so when, you got termi- when you were terminated, what did you feel? Do you have any ill feelings towards those people? Well, I've known God. They haven't. Better to know the Lord in poverty than to not know the Lord in great wealth. That's, what, that's the whole point. 
Knowing and following Jesus, to know God deeply and intimately more than makes up for the things that, that we lose because of our faith. It more than makes up. Writing 250 years ago, let me see if I can read this. Um, some of you may have heard of the English pastor, John, uh, John Gill, and he's basically summarizing the blessings of the Lord for a man who fears the Lord. Here's what he wrote. He said, for such a man, though he has but a little, which is the common portion of good men, Yet he does not lack. Be, he has enough and is content. What he has, he has with a blessing. And he enjoys it and God in it and has communion with him. And has also other bread to eat the world knows nothing of. And particularly having the fear of God, the eye of God is upon him with pleasure. His heart is towards him and sympathizes with him in all his troubles. His hand communicates unto him both temporal and spiritual meat, which is given to them that fear the Lord. His angels encamp about him. His power protects him. His secrets are with him. And inconceivable and inexpressible goodness is laid up for him. I love that phrase that he uses. What he has, he has with a blessing, and he enjoys it, and God in it, and he has communion with him. Better to know the Lord with a little than to have a lot and not know God. Can the world offer anything better than that? I don't think so. Listen, if we're going to have a great Thanksgiving, it starts with a heart full of faith. Starts with a heart full of faith. Listen, in this world that of, of inequality, and, and I would readily admit there's injustice, there's inequality just about everywhere you look in every facet of society. It makes us angry. I think it ought to make us angry enough to be involved and do what we can. I think running for councils and school boards and, and things like that, I think that's warranted. I think believers ought to be involved, do what they can. But you know what? Ultimately, it's a world marred by sin. It's a world that's under the curse. It's a world that's groaning for the day of redemption. And you and I have promise of God that he's gone to prepare. The funeral service yesterday for Max Montgomery, I, uh, I'd mentioned just, just the fact that, you know, one of, one of my visuals of heaven, um, when I think about heaven, I think about the promise of John 14 where Jesus said, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. I've been a believer really most all my life, but when I really rededicated my life in 1985, I've, I've stayed on track with the Lord since 1985. So let me just say, he's been working on my place for a long time. There are many of you here that have served the Lord probably longer than I've been alive, or pretty, getting, getting pretty close um, to longer than I've been alive. He's been working on your place for a long time. And the thing about that is, I've seen a lot of beautiful places in, in this world. There's some, if you, you ever get a chance to go somewhere, go. Go travel. Go see the, go see the sights if, as you physically can, physically can. They're beautiful places. But it does not compare to what he's got for us over there. Doesn't compare. It took him six days to make all this that we see. And he's been working on my place for over 50 years. Man, I can't wait to see that. The beauty would be indescribable. If I have a heart full of faith, listen, there will always be someone with more. Always have somebody that can go to better restaurants and drive better cars and live in bigger houses and all these other, and afford greater luxury vacations and all that. There will always be that. But you know what? My heart's full. 
of faith. Because I believe the promise. And what I lack here, one day will more than be made up for in that place. See, that's the attitude of gratitude. That's where it begins is filling yourself full of the faith of God. And, and even if you have a little better, to know the Lord with a little than to have a house, a boatload of, of cash and everything you want and not know the Lord. Second thing is this. The second one, not only do we need a heart full of faith, we need a home full of love. This is another attitude, quality, a home full of love. Look at verse 17. I didn't read it, I don't think. It says, better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. Pretty descriptive, right? Better a meal of vegetables, if you're from the north, vegetables. <laughs> Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. Here, here's a few other uh, translations of that verse. Better a meal of greens with love than a plump calf with hate. A simple, another one, a simple meal with love is better than a feast where there is hatred. Here's another one. It is better to eat a little where there is love than to eat a lot where there is hate. Last one. I like this one. This is the, this is the uh, message paraphrase. Here's the way he writes it. Better a, crust, better a bread crust shared in love than a slab of prime rib served in hate. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like prime rib. <laughs> better to eat crust, bread crust, than... A slab of prime rib served with hate. I think every one of the versions capture the same, the same sentiment, the same idea. The most bountiful feast, the most, whatever it is, you know, whatever meal, if you were going to have a last meal, whatever you would choose the, your last meal to be, it will be ruined. It will be ruined by people at the table who hate each other. Anybody ever had a, you don't have to raise your hand. Anybody ever had a meal ruined because of controversy? conflict at the house, then you, then, then you understand really well uh, what he's talking about here. Discord at the dinner table destroys a good meal. Again, it doesn't matter how, how, how uh, sumptuous it is, you know, prime rib, T-bone, turkey and dressing, all the trimmings, doesn't really matter. I mean, in fact, you may, your cooking may be equal to that of the Food Network, <laughs> you know. You might give Bobby Flay a run for his money. But if your loved ones don't really love each other, what good is all that effort, time, and money to cook a meal for someone that can't even get along? Remember, there are some things better. In fact, if that was, if that was what's waiting on us, I think most of us would rather go to, no, I don't even say that. I don't want to go to McDonald's. <laughs> I'd rather go somewhere else altogether, 7-Eleven, get a hot dog. You know, the, ver the word vegetables, and I, I made fun of that word, but the word vegetables refers to, in, in, in the imagery there, it's just a simple, it's, it's simple fare for a poor family that they might share. You know, because of poverty, many of the families would not be able to have meat. And so he's talking about a simple meal, just sharing a simple meal with those you love. It might be spinach or collard greens or cabbage, which I like all of those, by the way, um, He's painting a picture that these, these poor people are so poor that they are vegetarian by necessity, not by choice. When they come together, they share nothing but a handful of stewed greens 
It's not extravagant, but it tastes good, and it's served with love. And he said, that's better than the juiciest, thickest steak you can find if there's not harmony and peace. Solomon does it, again, he does not mean to elevate wealth, or excuse me, poverty over wealth. He simply reminds us that money doesn't necessarily bring happiness, that things don't bring happiness. It certainly is not a guarantee for a happy, harmonious Thanksgiving dinner. The point is, we, we know these things. Most of us have real-world experience of somebody coming to the house. You know, I, have, I had, a, I had a, a distant uncle, maybe I don't know if he's an uncle, maybe a cousin, maybe a second or third cousin. That I, I, He's older, obviously. Uh, I, I didn't know as a kid growing up what happened, but I just knew that he was not allowed on our, our property. <laughs> just, he, he couldn't come. Uh, he made his living suing people. And so my dad was like, you're not coming here. You know, there was, I've, I've met some cantankerous people. You know, they didn't like the, turkey's too dry. Why didn't you fix this? We always have this. You didn't cook this. Why didn't you? How can you have Thanksgiving meal without, some of y'all been at the same table I've been at, right? <laughs> That's what he's talking about. We, we know these things. I mean, we don't need Solomon to tell us because deep down we know that faith and love matter more than other things. There's some things better. Faith and love are better than money and stuff. Again, give me, give me moments, not monuments. Give me memories. That's, that's what we're talking about. You know, this is one reason why. How many of you, is your Christmas tradition to ever sit down and watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life? Anybody still watch It's a Wonderful Life, traditional thing? Yeah. It's still one of the top viewed movies at uh, Christmas time of all time. Uh, you know, and, and so you think about George Bailey, who was played by, by Jimmy Stewart. You know, he contemplates taking his own life on Christmas Eve, and uh, it takes the help of an angel. Anybody remember the angel's name? Clarence. <laughs> yeah, Clarence. To, to help him see the difference that he actually has made in other people's lives. And there are three lines I want to share with you that I think are probably the best of the movie that come from the angel Clarence. Here's one of them. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Here's another one. You see, George, you've really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to just throw it away? Last one. This one really isn't a spoken line. It's in his book that was left for George by the angel Clarence as that movie kind of comes to a climax. And here's what it reads. Remember, George, no man is a failure who has friends. No man is a failure who has friends. Some things are better than other things. So again, if we know these things, then why do we have to be reminded of them? Well, because we need reminding. How many understand? We get caught up in the business of life, and sometimes we forget these things. We get caught up in the, the Black Friday deals, and we get shop till you drop and all these other things. And again, I'm not knocking any of that stuff. I'm just simply saying we get caught up in it, and we forget there are some things that are just better than other things. 
And it would be wiser, you know, I, you know, I want my children to remember our moments together. I want my grandchildren to remember the moments that we have together for when I'm not there. They'll last. I can give them something today and it'll be broke by next week. I mean, I'm not talking about just my, my grandkids and their clumsiness or whatever. I'm just saying, that's just, that's kids. Or it gets put away and, and, and they're, they're on to the next, next toy or next whatever. But if you give them monuments, one of the things that, one of the things I started doing with the girls, uh, Audrey and Emerson is I have, I bought, I've got two maps. I have a, a world map and I have a U.S. map. And every place that we go, we put a pin. We put a travel pin. We'll go in and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll mark on there. We went to, for vacation this year, we went up to uh, Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg. And uh, had, they'd never been there before. So we got back, and one of the first things they wanted to do, Papa, let's put our pins. And we put the pins. We went to Colorado a couple years ago. Papa, we've got to put our pins in there. You know, and, and they'll be able to go in there and see the colors and see all the places that they have been able to travel. To me, that's important. Those are better things. Last a lot longer than any toy that you could ever give them. You know, the operative word, again, is better. It's better to enjoy a simple meal where love abounds than the finest of restaurants anywhere in the world and be surrounded by people you can't stand. That's what Thanksgiving is all about. As a man on the midway says, you pays your money and you takes your chances. Thousands of people will read Solomon's writings and they'll nod in agreement and then they'll go out and they'll, <laughs> they'll blow up their own family around some foolish decision. They're rooting for the wrong football team or they, they brought a Cornish hen instead of a turkey or they got a turkey breast instead of a whole bird or you know whatever we get uptight about. Here's, here's one if you're from the south. This is a big one here. A lot of contention over this one. You use stuffing? Who does stuffing? It's cornbread dressing. Right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know of many good southern people that are going to use, if you do, I'm sorry, I don't mean like that. But stuffing, really? You buy it in a box? Cornbread dressing. Go make that cornbread two days in advance and crumble that stuff up and make your dressing. Put the eggs in it and the, 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 chit, the turkey. Yeah, some of them are like, what? I'm, I'm deep south. My mama put uh, shredded turkey, eggs, celery, sage, chicken broth, and a whatever else, I don't remember. But I can see it now, sitting at the dinner, at the lunch table on Thanksgiving Day. And you bring out that big old nice bird that's been deep fried or roasted, and, and it's looking good. And then you bring that pot of, of stovetop stuffing, and you set it down there, and they look, and they're like, where's the dressing? <laughs> I, didn't I say some things are better than others? Cornbread dressing's better than, no, I'm just <laughs> Listen, it's so easy to get caught up in things that just don't matter. You know, my, as I've gotten older, I pray, because military kind of messes you up, okay? So, so in my mind, I, you know, I, 
I'm not a drill sergeant, okay? But it's kind of, you know, Brent's been with, with us for 25 years, and he'll tell me that I'm a little bit different than what I was years ago. Uh, I just kind of lightened up, you know. I just, I just like, you know what? Let's enjoy the life that we have. There's some things better. It's better to get along with people. It's better to, to, to laugh and to celebrate than it is to fuss and fight and complain about everything. See, Thanksgiving is a choice. It's a choice. Oh, you can have the date on the calendar, and you can circle it, and you can plan all the events. But, but truthfully, thankfulness starts from within. It starts from our heart. We can choose today. In fact, I like what God said through Moses. He said, look, I've set before you today life and death. He said, choose life that you may live. See, it's a choice for us. I get to choose. Do I want to be a sourpuss? Do I want to be grump and gripe about everything? Is that what I want to be known for? Or do I just want to have a heart of thanksgiving? You know, that's... That's wonderful advice. Psalm 78, I don't have time to get into it. I want to hurry up. Psalm 78 gives us a little bit of the history of Israel. And if you know anything about the history of Israel, it's kind of an interesting history. It's amazing to me how many times, how oftentimes, I should say, that they missed the mark and messed up. You ever notice that in reading the Old Testament? How many times they missed the mark, they messed up. Each time God would judge them, he would forgive them. And he would bless them, and you know what? And they'd do it all over again. They'd do it all over again. In fact, Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews. Let's see where I can find it. Here's, here's, here's how it's written. No, Psalm 78, I'm sorry. Here, here's what the writer says in verses 40 and 41. He said, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the wasteland. Again and again, notice it, again and again, they put God to the test. They vexed the Holy One of Israel. How'd you like to have that on your resume? That you vexed the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The people who knew God either forgot or they didn't care enough to think about the better things that God had done for them. Again, if you look at their story, as soon as they get outside of Egypt, after God delivered, the Bible says, with a mighty hand, they hadn't got too far out of the captivity that they start grumbling and complaining. And so God comes through, and they get on the other side of the Red Sea, and they celebrate, and within a day, they're complaining again. God comes through again, and just a couple days later, they're complaining again. They keep doing this through their wilderness wandering, and they get to one point where the Bible says, they wearied him. Why? Because it was never enough. That's ungratefulness. That's ungratefulness. And the Bible teaches us, in everything, give thanks. Give thanks. I think that notion of Israel, I'm closing, is is a description of, of where we are today, modern man. We're constantly doing our own thing, going our own way. Do you know what? Left to ourselves, we get lost. Left to ourselves, we'll wind up back in Egypt. We'll start fighting with each other. You know, we're unruly. We don't like to be led sometimes. All these things happen. But you know what? God leads us all the way if we'll follow him. There is a better way to live. But it depends 
on believing that our shepherd can get us there. Things may not be where I want it to be right now, but if I trust the shepherd and I follow him, he'll get me to better. What does the psalmist say? He leads me beside the still waters. I can't think of anything more tranquil than the water. He prepares a table where? In the presence of my enemies. Again, talking about just the incredible peace that we have. Green pastures. I have to trust him. It is therefore far, here's what Matthew Henry says. It is therefore far better and more desirable to have a little, to, to but have, let me, let me back up. It is therefore far better and more desirable to have but a little of the world and to have it with a good conscience to keep up communion with God and enjoy him in it and live by faith than to have the greatest plenty and live without God in the world. I think he nailed it right there. Matthew, Henry, and Solomon would agree on the same thing. Some things are better than other things. If you have a lot or if you have a little, as long as you have God, you have everything that you need. That's true today as in any other day. Thanksgiving, this Thanksgiving, grasp that idea. Again, you may be at a place right now that you never thought you would be. You know, two years ago, last year, maybe even a month ago, you said if you were to look ahead and you were to see this date or this, this Thanksgiving and you're at a place now you never saw, he's still enough even if you're in unexpected things right now. I'm going to close with this last song. I'm not going to sing it, by the way. So many people have sang this song. It's such a beautiful song. In fact, I thought about calling Curly and say, would you do sing this for me? Uh, acapella. George Beverly Shea sang it. Jason Crabb sang it. The Gaither Vocal Band sang it. But the lyrics of this song go something like this. I'd rather have Jesus than silver of gold or gold. I'd rather be his, I would rather be his than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be a king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Maybe that ought to be our theme song moving into Thanksgiving. I'd rather have Jesus than anything else. That is a thankful heart. I want you to stand with me. And we're going to go home in YouTube. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I want us to do that, to not sing. <laughs> Rosetta could do it. <laughs> How many tonight would just say, Pastor, let's, I want to pray. I want, I want to have that type of thanksgiving. You know, there, there, again, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. You know, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. I want to be a peacemaker. You know, maybe you're moving, maybe you're going into a situation right now, you already got plans with your family, and you already know that there's a powder keg. I want to pray for peace over that. I want to pray that we recognize that there are better things. You don't have to be right. You don't have to have it your way. Burger King's not in your kitchen. I'd rather have peace. I'd rather have love. I'd rather have faith.
than anything else. If that's you tonight, just slip your hand right up and right back down. If you're online tonight, if you'll comment, I want to pray with you as well. Father, tonight, thank you. Lord, that song just sums up how I feel tonight. I'd rather have you than all the silver and all the gold, all the lands, all the fame and the fortune. Because if I have you, I have enough. I have all that I need. Lord, help us to cultivate a thankful heart. Lord, as we prepare, and Lord, maybe even now we're making lists and we're figuring out how, where we're going and who's bringing what and who's coming together and what. How, help us, Lord, through it all. Help us all. Help us to focus on that which is better. It is better to have a little with there's love than to have the most with there's hatred. Let us trust in you tonight. Lord, each hand that went up, every one of us here tonight, Lord, help us to cultivate that thankful heart. And may we be grateful for all that you do for us and count our blessings, name them one by one. We count them and see what you've done. Lord, may we sing that song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold or anything this world has to offer us. Go with us now, I pray. Give us a wonderful night. Lord, should you, Terry, bring us on Sunday. Lord, bring people from the north, the south, the east, and the west that need an encounter with you. Give us a great night. May we rest strongly in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. We all said amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us online tonight. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much.